listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Godzilla Minus One. Alright everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Godzilla Minus One, and the story is as follows. Post-war Japan is at its lowest point when a new crisis emerges in the form of a giant monster baptized in the horrific power of the atomic bomb. The film is starring Ryanazuke Kamiki, Minami Hamabe, Wenetaka Aoki, Hidetaka Yoshioka, Sakuro Ando, Yuki Yamada, and Kuran Osuki Sasaki. It is written and directed by Takashi Yamazaki. And here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Lauren LaMagna. Hello. Dan Baer. Roar. <laughs> Tom O'Brien. <laughs> Hi, everybody. And joining us here as a guest, welcome back to the show. It has been too long, Kevin Lee. Hi. So, Godzilla Minus One. We are reviewing this a little later um, because we did not get a chance to review it when it first uh, released theatrically here in the U.S. Um, It has recently been re-released in a black and white version and has been nominated for an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. So as we try to catch up with certain Oscar nominees that we did not get a chance to review on the podcast. This is one that was very high in demand from our listeners, so we are very, very happy to now give it its due and talk about it because I do think that it has been a a very significant landmark film in many ways, uh, not just for international cinema, but also just for Japanese cinema, for this franchise. There's a lot of firsts and a lot of ground that's being broken here by this movie. And it's also really well beloved amongst the fans. And it's done, uh, I think, just exceedingly past all expectations here. So as we get into it, it's important to note that this is the 33rd film, uh, Godzilla film from Toho, uh, the 37th film in the Godzilla franchise overall. And it is one that I think At this point in time, you know, we see Godzilla featured in Warner Brothers movies with King Kong now or on an Apple TV streaming show. We see Gareth Edwards, uh, you know, bringing the character back a couple years ago to uh, to U.S. audiences. But overseas, Godzilla has always had a life of his own. And it's that rare crossover film that you hope to see happen at least at least once a year, but I think we're starting to see it happen more and more now. It reminds me a lot of the breakout success of RRR last year, where that had international to U.S. uh, crossover appeal. So looking at the success of this movie, why it is resonating, how it fits within the Godzilla canon overall. I want to start off first with our guest here, Kevin. Kevin, uh, what did you think of this movie in terms of just, you know, overall general thoughts? Do you have any kind of pre-existing relationship with Godzilla as a franchise? I know there's a lot of films, obviously, to get to. Uh, and <laughs> unless if you have like that that big giant criterion 
uh, box set of all the movies. But yeah, lay it on us. What did, what did you think of this? Yeah, well, first of all, I have not seen all 37 Godzilla films. Um, <laughs> I've seen plenty of them. And um, this is a very fascinating franchise to me because, you know, the way Godzilla started, it's like this uh, devastating cautionary tale about like mankind's tendency to destroy itself. And it's like it's a warning, right? The, the original. And it's all it's so fascinating to see how this character evolves over time, how he goes from this uh, this metaphor of uh, atomic warfare to something like Japan's mascot or a tourism ambassador. And like our our culture and how we consume Godzilla content and how we and how we see him has really, really changed over time. Now he's like a character who we root for. And we, we like to watch these uh, monster rumbles and like see some kind of creative uh, enemy for him to go up against, right? And every once in a while, Toho would go back to the beginning, go back to its roots. And um, Godzilla Minus One is kind of like that. It's back to these, these simple roots. And they make a really smart decision in having the story take place like right at the end of World War II as it follows um, these Japanese uh, veterans and citizens like trying to recover from the war and trying to move on. And I think that was a very smart choice to really help the audiences get back to the mind setting of like how the 1954 original film felt. And at the same time, it still feels modern. You know, the visual effects, they're stunning at times. The sequences are brilliant. And most Godzilla movies, they struggle a lot with human characters. But this time, I think they they did a really incredible job in creating human characters for you to care about. Like you you care about their well-being more than just caring about them surviving Godzilla's attack. Like you you want them to be okay. You want them to uh, make it through this and and have like a better tomorrow. And I think that's what made the film surprisingly emotional. And I think that's why audiences in Japan and here in the U.S. internationally have connected with it. Yeah, I completely agree. Story and character will traditionally win out the day over large-scale destruction and visual effects, although sometimes we appreciate that as well. Lauren LaMagna, how about you? What did you think of Godzilla Minus One? So growing up, I was always aware of Godzilla. I knew who he was. I knew what he represented. I knew his origin and all of that, but I didn't really, I don't have a nostalgic tie with him. I didn't really consume most of his media. I just knew of the character itself. So it's not that I'm unfamiliar with the character. I just don't really have a relationship with him, which is really fun for me to go into this film. That's just a pure Godzilla film and to really experience a hundred percent Godzilla film for the first time. So that was really fun for me. And I think this is a really interesting and also really fun film. As Kevin said, I love that they went right back to a media post-war Japan and we really get to see those themes of what Godzilla represents in real time. And I love how you're also seeing modern filmmakers and modern artists kind of reflect on that as well. It's their modern storytellers, but they're going back into the original timeline of where this character kind of came about. 
But I also think that it's a very entertaining movie. As Kevin said, you really do care about the characters. I think uh, the visual effects and the creation of Godzilla himself are very impressive, very scary. You care about the characters, but you also know that shit's going to go down when he gets there, which makes it a very impactful watch where you are invested and interested and also looking into, you know, the dynamics of intergenerational um, Japanese veterans of how they value war and what they think matters. And that was an interesting additional layer too. So I overall think it's a smart film. I also think it's entertaining and it's also heartfelt. So I really do recommend it and I can't wait to talk about it. All right. Tom O'Brien, on to you. Well, Matt, you know, if somebody had told me that that among the best parts of Godzilla movie would be the the scenes without Godzilla in it, I, I would say you were nuts. But some of the scenes between the characters here just made me just warm my heart. And I just cared so much about them. The stakes are very high. And as Kevin had said, we go back to putting it in the late 1940s, post-war Japan. And they had been, you know, they the film is not afraid to show how the destruction of Japan impacted those survivors. Your heart really is like, it's my God, this is what they are having, what the citizens are having to endure. And then Godzilla shows up. I mean, it's it's it the the film really shows how devastated it was, both materially and spiritually, to the war. It really the the impact that it has. And, you know, it does have all the things you want in a Godzilla movie, you know, all the extras screaming towards the cameras, Godzilla comes and, you know, the big tail swishes by and, you know, knocks over half a block. But it's uh, it's the small moments in this that really, really stayed with me and uh, and that the film at the end of the day for me was very, very moving. And I never expected that from this. And I think back upon my time seeing it uh, very, very fondly. And I am so happy it's being embraced and recognized, even with the Motion Picture Academy. So here's to Godzilla. Yeah. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Here's to our thunder die chunky friend, <laughs> Dan Bear. How about yourself? Godzilla minus one. Okay, so a little bit of preface. One of my biggest dark cinematic secrets is that prior to the 2014 Godzilla, the only Godzilla movie I had ever seen was the 1990 
Roland Emmerich one. Yeah, from '98. Mm. I I can sympathize, Dan. <laughs> I I get it. Is not very good. Um, oh. but also it came out when I was in middle school, so like you know, has a bit of a nostalgia factor to it. It was also satisfying that Jurassic Park itch for a lot of people out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I said, I yeah. get it. <laughs> Yeah, but it is just like not a good movie. And in the lead up to the 2014 Gareth Edwards one was when I was like, maybe I should actually watch the original Godzilla and see what people fell in love with. And that first Godzilla movie is so much fun. Fun. It, it is more fun than watching a man in a rubber giant lizard suit knocking down cities should be. It's movie magic at its finest, and it, it's it's so great and in so many ways. And because of that, I was sort of looking forward to this, especially when I heard the um the the plot and when it takes place. Although. The title, well, the title still makes no sense to me. And particularly when we had to see this, and I think Matt and Kevin, you will uh, commiserate with me on this. I did not necessarily want to go to the location where we had to go to see this movie because it is all the way over, like almost all the way east on Manhattan. We had to walk over from Grand Central. It's like a 20-minute walk, and it was freezing cold. So this movie had a lot kind of like stacked against it going in because I was automatically comparing it to the original Godzilla film based on everything. And I didn't particularly want to be there on the night. But within the first five minutes, I was sold on this movie. The opening sequence in particular feels almost classical in its restraint and how it kind of hides Godzilla from you for a long time. But then when you finally see him, it's like, oh, the creature design is just maybe the best Godzilla has ever looked since the original. And part of that is because there are moments when the visual effects artists kind of embraced that man-in-a-rubber-suit aesthetic and really taking the whole series back to its roots in the best way. And the wartime melodrama that surrounds it, I think, is just perfectly pitched. It is a deeply heartfelt story, one about found family that really resonated with me. Um, that plus the Sakura Ando presence, I was like, be honest, did Hirokazu Koreeda do a rewrite on this? <laughs> but like, he obviously didn't, and he didn't need to, because this movie is like near perfect, I think, in terms of you're like meeting at its level what it's trying to go for. It is funny. It is epic. I can't count the number of times, like especially the first time that we see Godzilla powering up the the blue beam and those scales on his tail just go click, click, click click up uh, you can feel the whole audience going like oh shit here it comes <laughs> and just i'm i'm so impressed with the the rhythms 
of this thing. It, it is perfect pop filmmaking. It's maybe the best action visual effects movie that hasn't been directed by James Cameron in the current century. Hmm. High praise. Yeah. So my journey with Godzilla is very similar to yours, Dan. 1998, eight-year-old Matt Neglia loved Roland Emmerich Godzilla. <laughs> Got a little bit older. You know what? It it was made for young boys, yep. and as young boys, we loved exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> Got a little older. Realized the error of my ways. Oh, yeah. 2014 Gareth Edwards Godzilla is coming out. I decide to watch the original. I do end up buying that Criterion uh, Blu-ray eventually at some point or another. And I still own it to this day. I, yeah, I love that movie. Then in the lead up to the sequel, Godzilla King of the Monsters, that's when I uh, went back and saw Shin Godzilla. I didn't watch that at the time of its release. I had to kind of like really bring myself to watch that one mostly because my feeling towards a lot of the international Godzilla films was that they were mostly not good or at least that was like my perception of them so I never bothered to watch any of them honestly until I watched Shin Godzilla which I thought was fine I liked it at the time and then it's funny because then I watched uh King of the Monsters and I hated that movie we have a podcast review of that if you want to hear how much I despise that movie. And it made Shin Godzilla look so much better by comparison. Along comes Godzilla Minus One now. And I'm having like a very similar type of feeling where I'm hearing rumblings overseas. It's good. People are saying it's uh, the best Godzilla film yet. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, it doesn't have a U.S. distributor. I will wait and see. For myself um, when it gets released here. Turns out <laughs> it didn't need a U.S. distributor. It just simply got, uh, you know, pushed here, basically. I, I And that night we all saw it together, Dan, that you were referencing. I remember thinking to myself, oh, well, this is unlike any other screening for a film I've been to this year. It's not repped by a major studio or anything like that. I don't even know when this is being released, you know, theatrically, how many people are going to see it or whatever. It felt very exclusive, you know, and I had no real expectations heading into it. So to emerge from it with this feeling of, whoa, wait a minute, what did I just watch? Did I did I just see everything I expected with regards to the mass destruction, the action and, you know, the Godzilla of it all? Yes, I, I, I clearly got all of that. But what I wasn't expecting and what I did get was what was referenced earlier was this really emotional moving story that was focused on these characters who really embodied a sense of nationalistic pride. And when you talk about, Dan, like the title, Godzilla Minus One, what, what that represents is it represents how Japan post-World War II is at its lowest point possible. They are at a zero. And then Godzilla comes along and makes things even worse, thus bringing the Japanese people to Minus one. Well, I'll tell you this. You could put me in the plus one column for this movie. I thought this movie was pretty awesome for the most part. I do have some quibbles here and there, which we'll get into in just a little bit. But overall, when people talk about, is this the best Godzilla film? 
I, I can't I can't sit here and say personally if it is because I haven't seen enough of them to make that call. But I think I would go so far as to say of the ones I've seen, it definitely is. Where, where do you all fall on that argument? Well, it's really nice to hear someone else um, has seen Shin Godzilla because Shin Godzilla is still my personal favorite of um, all the ones that I've seen. I, I wrote an entire article about why I think Shin Godzilla is a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. And I think um, much of my personal reservations about Godzilla Minus One comes from its um, political themes because mm -hmm. I think I think politically and on a on a um, higher level big picture standpoint of what it's trying to say of what of what its commentary is i feel like it's less progressive than shin godzilla is i one of the things that i was so impressed by in shin godzilla was its stance on um just nuclear energy existing in our world because yeah. the original 1954 film was talking about how this is a point of no return. Humanity has invented this thing and we can't unlearn it anymore. And unfortunately, it is a thing that is capable of destroying the world. Kind of like um, Oppenheimer this yep. year. Anyway, Shin Godzilla had a really progressive, modernized take on that message, which is, listen, the reality is nuclear energy exists now in our world. And so the only thing we can do is to act responsibly and like, look after it and like keep it at bay which is why um the way uh shin godzilla resolves is very different from how the 1954 original resolves and it's also different from how minus one resolves and i mean that in terms of what literally happens to godzilla himself and so i i i don't know i was very personally uh impressed by shin godzilla that i so wanted the next toho film to be a sequel to that. And to see that the next Toho film was another back to page one, back to the very beginning and back to the roots, I thought, okay, all right, fine. What do you got this time? Fortunately, the it, it got um, I got the most emotional, well done human story, which is a plus. Um, but I, th I think uh, commentary wise, it is not my favorite one. I think it sits probably third behind the original 1954 one and behind Shin Godzilla. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of our review for Godzilla Minus One here on the Next Best Picture podcast. In order to get the full-length review, you will have to head on over to Next Best Picture's Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get the rest of this review and other exclusive podcast content from us as well. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time.
Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.